You're listening to Wake Up Call with Christina Previtt. I'm the CEO and co-owner of New Jersey Divorce Solutions, a law firm located in Edison, New Jersey. I've been practicing exclusively divorce and family law for the past 16 years. Everyone has a story. I interview them. Wake Up Call is an opportunity for you to hear inspiring stories from people who are making hard decisions, overcoming their fears, and living their most authentic life. here with Christina Previtt, the host of Wake Up Call, the podcast. And my guest today is Courtney Gray, who is going to share her experience in the world as a trans woman. Thank you for joining me today, Courtney. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. And I was just commenting how you always have such a positive, optimistic, just happy disposition. And it's so nice. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's just one of those things that like, you know, it's just try to be happy at all times. I love it. It's contagious. Right. So I want to, first and foremost, I want to make sure that over the course of this conversation that I'm always respectful to you and that you share whatever you're comfortable sharing. So if I go off in territory that you're not comfortable with, it's just, just tell me. And uh, I will respect that. And also, I know that terminology is really important. Mm-hmm. And even though I've, I've spent some time trying to learn appropriate terminology, I might not always get it right. So I just want to let you know in advance that there's no intention to be disrespectful. And if I do use incorrect terminology, if you could just tell me. Sure. Yeah, no worries. All right, goody. So I want to start at the beginning. I want to hear okay. about, you know, what it was like for you growing up. Did you have like, and I'm saying this in air quotes, if you're listening right. on the podcast, like a normal childhood upbringing? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think I really did, you know, normal for what I knew up until like I was 12. And then things just kind of started to change. But growing up in like a really rural country town in Arkansas to kind of be a little bit different was, yeah, it just wasn't completely accepted. Don't know if it still is today. Who knows? But, but anyway, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I played outside and I had friends and everything. But like, as I got older, you know, I never really felt like I fit in with like the boys and like I could always like felt more comfortable hanging out with the girls and hanging out with their conversations and things like that. Even though I was trying to be, I guess, as masculine as as I could be, I just knew there was something that didn't click inside. But like I said, I didn't really know what it was at the time. How old were you when you started to feel that? I guess I was around 12. Yeah, just like little things, like little changes and stuff like that. And some of the things may have been like deemed as kind of like, oh, well, you know, they're just kids and they just kind of go and do those things. And then who knows? But like, I just remember like either my mom's shoes or like some of her clothes or something like that. Like if no one's at home, I'd go like put them on or something. And I just, it felt me, you know, obviously, like I said, I tried to like, I would go through that stage and then I would kind of like, oh yeah, no, no, I can't do that. That's not me. That's not who I am. That's not who I have to be. 
And yeah, it was just kind of like that constant battle back and forth. I'm surprised you didn't feel that sooner than 12. Like, yeah, was there no, any indication I, of it earlier? Not to my knowledge, no. So it was right around puberty, too. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So had you already begun puberty at that point? Yeah, yeah, around 12, yep. Mm -hmm. So yeah. tell me what it was like then going through puberty and growing up as a teenager when you're starting to acknowledge these feelings that you have. Yeah, so it was, it was different. I mean, like, I tried to, I guess, based on society's views and my parents' views and, you know, everything, I tried to do what I thought I needed to do, um, meaning that, okay, I needed to have a girlfriend and I needed to play sports and, like, all this stuff. But I never, like I said, I never felt it. You know what I mean? I would yeah. rather have, like, done other things, just, like, hung out and, you know, just... So you identified more with what, you know, the girls in town were doing. Exactly. Not yeah. what the guys were doing. Exactly. And what year was this? Oh my gosh. So let's see, if I was 12, oh my gosh. Um, so I'm 49, I'll be 49. So yeah, I don't know. Well, I definitely like 19... wouldn't have thought you were 49. <laughs> I thought you, I'm 45 and I thought you were younger than me. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, so I guess it would have been what, early 80s? Okay, so I know uh, things have evolved in our world, and mm -hmm. you know, I think when I was a kid, I don't remember hearing about trans people. Like, I yeah. wouldn't have known what that was. I mean, back then, I don't even think you know if you were gay that that was t uh, talked about so openly the way that it is yeah. now. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, did you even really, in your own mind, have a word for what you were feeling? No, I mean, I knew I wasn't gay, but I didn't, I didn't have like that word. I mean, like I'd heard of the word like, you know, cross-dresser or transvestite. I was like, yeah, that's not really me either. You know what I mean? And so I just, I never, like, I never had a word for it until probably like three or four years ago. And really? then like, whenever, you know, I started seeing a therapist, everything just kind of clicked and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I get it. It makes sense now. And, and I think like you know, so much of what was spoken of wasn't like in a good sense either. Yeah, you know, there was no, I guess, if you can use the word like good representation. Yeah. You know? so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that too. When I was a kid, it, it was, um, there were negative connotations always. And it was mm -hmm. sort of like, don't talk about it. You know, it's right. taboo. Exactly. So you said that you kind of realized this only a few years ago. So, and you're 49. So know, yeah. you really went through a long, a long go of things, kind of yes. having these feelings and not really having a word for it. Exactly. And, you know, it was, it was kind of like what I was saying earlier. It's like, kind of like the whole like binge and purge, right? There was like moments where like I would get dressed up and I just, I felt like myself and just everything. And then like these thoughts was just like, oh no, 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 this isn't who you can be. And this isn't who, you know, you're supposed to be or whatever. And so I would like throw everything away, you know? And it's just, it was a constant battle. And even like whenever I did discover and put a word to it, I still led, I guess a semi double life because I was still married at the time. 
And so it was like, when I wasn't around my family, I could be myself. And then when I was with my family, I had to be who they expected me to be. It was so when, when you were home alone, yes. was it just natural for you to, to want to represent as a woman? Exactly. Yes. Yes. Okay. So that must have been hard. It was. It was. It was mentally draining and emotionally draining. Yeah, exactly. So can we talk about something that you, you sort of touched on? You said that you weren't gay. Right. Mm -hmm. So I feel like some confusion that I've had, if you can educate me on this, uh -huh. is sexual orientation and your identity as your gender identity are two different things. Correct. Yes. So when you say you weren't gay. Right. Wh what do you mean by that? So, okay. So whenever I like started feeling like all these changes and stuff like that and not having like a word for it then I was like, okay, well, I have, you know, a male body, but I don't feel like a male. And I always envision myself more as a female role in a relationship. However, you know, like back then it would have been like, okay, well, if I would have dated a guy, then I would have been seen as gay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and, and yes, so that's the, that's kind of like where I go from there. So you dated, you dated women. Yeah, I've only dated women. Mm -hmm. But you're attracted to women. It was you weren't just doing that because you wanted. Right. To no. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So do you still date women? Yes and no. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I've gone out with a couple of guys. Okay, like on a couple of dates, and I've really like kind of like opened myself up in the sense of that, like I identify now sexually as pansexual, meaning more about the heart and not the part. And so it's one of the things that like, yeah, I just kind of like, if I click with you emotionally and there's a spark, then I don't really care what's spoken. Really? So yeah. it's not like, I don't know how to try to ask without getting really graphic, but you mm -hmm. don't have moments where you're like, I really want to be with a female or I really want to you know, yeah. sex, or strictly sexual oh, yeah. gratification. I want to be with a male. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, of course. It's like there's times that I'm like, oh my god, I would love to be with a guy and be cuddled and protected and just in all senses there, you know. And then there's times that like I love the sensuality of of a woman's body and the sensuality that's connected when there is more. And so, yeah. So it is, yeah. it's like, kind of like the back and forth, but at the same time, that's why I say like, you know, I don't really deny myself. It's just whoever I click with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for explaining that. <laughs> yeah. So you're going through life, you're plodding along mm -hmm. and you're kind of doing things in secret. Mm -hmm. And at some point, did, did you ever get like found out? I mean, did you have a girlfriend that discovered this by accident or did you ever share it with anyone? I did share it with one girl whenever I lived in California. This would have been like mid nineties and we were okay with it. Like she was okay with it and I was okay with it, but then it just kept going back and forth. And then for other reasons, we ended up like just 
you know, discontinuing the relationship. And even like after I got married, I remember, you know, asking my ex, you know, to borrow some of her like thongs or something like that. And she didn't really bat an eye. And I was like, oh, okay, you know? And so, but it went back and forth and like, she had never seen me, you know, as who I am today until we pretty much got divorced, so yeah. So that must have been difficult to have a marriage when you're, you're having these feelings and can't it really was. talk openly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, like there was a lot of expectations placed on me, you know, as being like the, the husband, so to speak. And for, I guess, probably like the first, I don't know, six or seven years, everything was fine. Things would come and go, but I just kind of dealt with it and there was no issues. And then after that, then it started like becoming more and more frequent. And so even like whenever we have relations and stuff, it was awkward for me. But like, you know, I did because I was like, okay, well, this is my obligation. But it wasn't like really what I felt at the time. And even like, you know, later on, like towards the end of the marriage, I mean, it was just, it was painful mentally for me to even, yeah. To, to have sex with her. Yeah, exactly. Because you weren't attracted to her? No, just because I knew that wasn't my role anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's really incredible how when you start breaking this down, mm -hmm. that we do have these strong ingrained gender roles. Exactly. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. So, so you got divorced. Mm -hmm. And yeah. how old were you when you got divorced? Uh, it was only last year. Oh, it was, it was recent. Year. Yeah, it was recent, yeah. Okay. And you had said that you really only had a name for how you were feeling in recent years. So exactly. that must have been towards the end of the marriage. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so did you go was... to therapy for that to talk about mm -hmm. it? Yeah, and it was, it was crazy because like my youngest son, he had found like some of my clothes and he brought that to my ex's attention at the time and she was like you know what is this and i you know first line of events was like it's not mine and then she's like well whose is it and i'm like no it's mine it's something that i've been you know doing for years and i want to go see a therapist because i really want to like find out like what's going on you know is this a phase is this a midlife crisis is this what is actually going on with me and so I did, and I started seeing a therapist, and I'd go like every month. And I guess on the second or third visit, we finally like, you know, came to terms and, you know, she deemed it more as like the age of enlightenment. And, you know, it's like, you've been this way your whole life. You just never really had a word for it. So I remember like driving home, you know, after that meeting, and telling my ex-wife that, yeah, I'm, I'm transgender. And that was like one of the hardest things to have to like tell someone, right? Yeah. And I was hoping, you know, that things wouldn't change and things would stay the same and all this stuff. However, yeah, no, it didn't. And like, we tried to make it work for, I guess a year and a half. And yeah, it just, it would explode and settle and explode and settle. So did you just immediately start transitioning? I did. Yeah. It was like, um, so this would have been August of 17. And so November of 17 is whenever I started my hormones. 
And so, yeah, so it was only a couple months after that, that I started my hormones and just haven't looked back. You know, it's, it's like I tell some of my friends that, you know, they ask and things and I tell them, it's like the first time that I took my estradiol tablet, that even though it was just such a bare dose, it was like my mind finally goes, thank you. Thank you so much for like finally getting this right. You know, and I know it's like really psychosomatic or whatever, but that's just, yeah. And I haven't really looked back since. And, you know, I'm happy as the person I am today. And I'm thankful for the person that I was because it's made me who I am. Do you wish you had done it sooner? There's times. Yeah, sure. I, I wish I would have done it at 12 years old, you know, but then, you know, who's to say where I would be or, you know, what I'd be doing. So, yeah. Um. I think there's a lot of people in general that wishes that they would have, you know, done things sooner or, you know, could go back in time and change things or whatever. But, you know, I think in life, there's like different purposes at different points in your life. And I'm very thankful for, you know, having two beautiful boys and, you know, I love them. And so I know that there was a point for me to get married and still, you know, have that male role. And to produce two kids, you know, and then unfortunately that purpose ended and now there's new purpose. So, you know, it's just like different chapters in your life. Yeah. So how, how were your children with everything? When did you tell them? So I originally didn't tell them. My ex and I got into an argument and like, I was like, that's it. I'm leaving. And so I grab my stuff and I start going to my car and the kids are downstairs and they're like, you know, what's going on? And my ex is like, yeah, tell them, tell them what's going on that you think you're a woman. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not really the way that I want to tell them. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're yeah, watching so. as this is happening. Exactly. And so my oldest at the time, let's see, he's 13. So it's been like three years ago. So he would have been 10. He just, even to this day, he has issues with me. And he's gotten better over time. But, you know, there's things that like, you know, he doesn't want to be seen in public and he doesn't want to, you know, go to a restaurant, you know, things like that. But my youngest, he's been my ride or die since he was born. And he's like, I don't get it. But you know what? If this is who you are, this is who you are. And let's just go have fun. You know? Does he remember you before? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because he would have been what six? Yeah, because you know, in some way, your family has to transition with you. Exactly. And I, I don't know anybody that um, wasn't already transitioned when I met them, mm-hmm. so I didn't know anybody who you know transitioned while I knew them. Right. So I've always known them one way, uh-huh. but I would think it's it's difficult to know someone like let's say as Mike and then you know there's someone else it's almost like you're losing that other person yeah and you know it's interesting that you mentioned that it's because like in the beginning I didn't really know like how to I guess you know I was so intent on like not acknowledging my old self that I'm like you know that person died that person died, it's no longer, you know, Courtney is here and, you know, this is who I am. And, you know, please, please address me as such and this. And, 
you know, I mean, it, it took me like 45 years to, you know, figure out who I am and acknowledge who I am. And then to, you know, ask my family to do the same just like overnight was unrealistic expectations. You know, now they, they do acknowledge who I am but it's taken them a lot of heartache and, you know, a big struggle on, on a lot of things. But like I said, there was a point where I was so intent on, you know, having them call me by the proper pronouns that I feel that I actually like kind of pushed them away or hurt them, you know, emotionally. Yeah. And so then I was just like, you know what, you guys address me ever, however you feel. I said, I'm not going to impose, but there is going to be a point where, you know, if you say dad in public, it's really not going to match up and it's just going to call further, you know, attention to the situation. And so, you know, now they just call me C. And, uh, and so it's, you know, something's cute, but, you know, my oldest, like I said, you know, he says she and her, and, and so does my youngest. Sometimes they, they'll still use other pronouns, but you know, I don't, I don't like make a big deal about it anymore because like I know who I am. So yeah, you just wanted to dive into the pool, like head first. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, you know, what, this is who I am. Let's run with it and let's just go because, you know, it's, it's one of those things I feel like life is short and, you know, even like as far as like dating and stuff like that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to be 49 in two weeks. And like, you know, my dating life is like dwindling you know, and, and that was another issue, you know, my ex, she like, she asked me several times, she was like, you know, can you just wait till the kids go to college? And I was like, it's not a switch, you just turn on and off. I was like, this is who I am, you know? So yeah, it's, it's one of those things. But like I said, I felt like, oh my gosh, my life is just like, it's coming to a close. So let's me, let's get everything done as quickly as possible. And you know, let's find your partner for your life and all this stuff. But that's been a big issue. So, yeah. So how is your ex with everything now? You know what? We're like really good friends. I mean, we have our moments. But um, overall, I'd say that we're, we're better now than we were our whole marriage. You know, and it's funny because like I was speaking with her last night on the phone. And she's involved in like another relationship with a guy and everything. And I wish her the best. I met him and, you know, and he's really good. But it's like I told her, I was like, you know, I was like, for us to be able to communicate now, we can actually have conversation. You know, it's before it was like one of us had to be the winner of the conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so it's like you were talking but there was nothing being heard. It was just like, okay, I'm gonna impose my viewpoint on this and I'm right. And if not, we're gonna get into an argument and you know, that's that. But now, I mean, there's like actual listening and reasoning and just, you know, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, our relationship is a lot better now today than it had been in almost 20 years. So. Well, I think sometimes, cause I'm a divorce lawyer. I don't know if you knew that, <laughs> but so I think sometimes when you're still married and you're thinking more about, well, how does this affect me? Like she wasn't exactly. able to look at it from your point of view and strictly no. look at it from your point of view was she was making it about her. Like, exactly. And you know, that how was, am I going to deal with this? Yeah. And that was one of the things like, you know, what are my friends going to think and what are people going to say about me? And yeah. I'm like, 
I don't know, but it's not for them to really approve or disapprove. It's like, if they're your friends, they're going to support you, you know? And if not, well, you know, I don't know what to tell you. And, you know, I would even tell her, like, you know, if someone is like talking to you and have questions because whenever I was going through my transition and stuff, then tell them to come talk to me. You know, I'm, I'm an open book. I, there's nothing that I hold back, really. And so sometimes she would deflect and defer to me. And then there's other times that, you know, she would talk. But it was, it was few and far between. And then, you know, it's like these little stories she would create, create in her head. Like when we're going to a get together and like my hair was longer than what it had been, right? And she was like, oh, just tell people that you're embracing your, your Indian heritage and blah, blah, blah. The only thing that ever came up was like, oh my gosh, your hair looks great. And that was it, you know? And like, we'd leave the party and it's like, all that stress that you put on yourself, for what? Yeah. And I was like, it's, it's, no one said anything. You know, they may be saying it now that we're not there. I don't know, but don't care. Yeah, honestly, I think that's the one thing you definitely learn as you get older is that you just cannot worry about what everybody else is thinking. Right? And, and you're right. It's something that you learn later in life because, you know, like as a teenager or, or even like a young adult, you are, you have that struggle, that peer pressure of like, what are my friends going to say? And, you know, I even remember, you know, talking to my mom, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many things I missed out on because I felt like people were going to say something or even like um, dance and, you know, just kind of things that I really enjoyed and but I never participated in because like okay yeah you know what is this person going to say or what are they going to say or I'm not going to be able to do it perfectly so let's not do it you know what I mean yeah so and I try to tell my kids even though like whenever a parent tries to tell their kids anything it kind of goes you know yeah and and I'm like look you don't have to do things perfect in life you just have to have fun life is about having fun and you try things and if you're good at it great and if you're not then you chalk it off but you know you can't like worry about what other people are thinking or saying or whatnot because that's what they're thinking you can't control that you can only control the way that you respond right yeah and so you know it's like my oldest like I said he's the one that struggles the most with everything and I was like Alex I said half the time when you think people are like looking at us I was like, they're down looking at their phone. Yeah, I'm, trust me, we're not superstars and, and no one is like throwing the camera on us. That's like, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's an incredible burden actually to care so much what other people think. You know, I, right. I recently stopped caring and I just realized that it was so exhausting. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah so definitely. can we talk about the actual transition process? Sure. So you went to your therapist and Mm -hmm. the light bulb went off and you were like, yes, I know what I need to do now. Exactly. Yeah. What did you do? Where did you go? Okay. So um, I went to, there's like a community center called Compass here in South Florida. And so I talked to two of the transgender females there and, you know, I just opened up and like, Hey, you know, I have questions about this and, you know, the whole process and the hormones and docs and just everything in general right and so I got like a couple of names from doctors and so I made an appointment and you know I went to see um, she's an OBGYN and she's also an endocrinologist and so I went to see her and we just clicked and from there it's just like 
in the beginning, I would go like every three months to see her and check up and make sure everything is going well, check my levels and all that stuff, right? And then there was like little things as far as, you know, like trying to work on my voice and just the whole like, you know, like you, you were lucky and I say you in general, just cisgender people, right? Because you guys had like people to like show you makeup and hair and like all this stuff and like to try to learn that at like 45 years old, it's like, okay, wow. Okay. There's a lot more involved here. Your eye makeup looks really good. (laughs) But yeah, and so um, I would go like every three months and I would get my labs done. And I remember like the first time that I got that done and I go back and I get my levels checked and the doctor, she was like, yeah, Courtney, everything looks really great. Everything's within range and blah, blah, blah. And like, I figured like my estrogen levels were just going to be like through the roof, right? And I remember looking and my estrogen level was like 38, 39. And I was just like, it was within range, right? When you but, say within range, you mean for like a like a cis a female? female? Yeah. Okay. yeah, exactly. And so, and I remember looking at the number, and I'm like, "Doc, this this is really low." And she was like, "Yeah, but you know, it's like given your age and everything, it's like it's the it's the normal for like a postmenopausal woman." And I was like, <laughs> "Oh no, no, no!" I said, "We're not here to be postmenopausal." <laughs> Yeah, you need to go through the fun age too, not just the menopausal age. Yeah, and speaking of like the whole menopause, right? So like whenever I did start my hormones, with the whole like transition of like my testosterone starting to suppress and like the estrogen starting to kind of come up, I did. Like I had the hot flashes and I had the night sweats and I had the moodiness. And, you know, like most females, they get their periods once a month. I had it like every freaking week. And so I'm, I would say I didn't have the flow, right? Yeah. But I would get cramps and I would get like just different things. And I'm all like, oh my God. And my ex at the time, she was like, what's going on? I was like, do you really need to ask? I was like, this is what's going on. And so it wasn't until, I guess I, I stayed on like the, the pill for nine months because like I hate needles just from like a childhood experience and like being in the hospital and like the nurse student like tried to start the IV and she missed like three times and I was like screaming my head off. And, uh, and so since then, like I've always hated needles, right? But I told my doc, I said, look, I said, I hate needles, but I said, I really want my levels up. And like, I, you know, I'm a person that like, I try to do my homework and like my research and like, try to figure out where the level should be and uh and I knew it was a lot higher than 38 you know like even with just the whole like medical field they're expecting you to be between like 300 to 500 right and so I remember starting I guess it was in 2018 like around August of 2018 I started the injections and so my numbers went from like 38 to like 400 and I was wow. like oh wow I was like, I'm loving this. This is awesome. And so my doc at the time, well, she's still my doc, but she was like, Courtney, this is, you know, I'm a little concerned because, you know, if your levels get too high, it can cause like a blood clot and, you know, and other like negative things. And I was like, I feel great. You know, I was like, look at my other labs. I was like, you know, I'm pretty much a textbook, you know, as far as my levels and everything. I said, so I said, I feel really good. I said, you know, we'll see how it goes. 
And, you know, if it gets too high, then, you know, yeah, we'll cut it back or something. And so I remember going in the next time and it was even higher. It was like five something. And yeah. And she was like, Courtney, I'm really concerned. I was like, why? And she's like, okay, look, she's like, let me break it down. She's like a normal female when she's ovulating for like 24 to 48 hours, her levels are this high. It's like, you're like this all the time. I was like, I don't know. I guess I'm really fertile. Were you craving chocolate all the time? <laughs> oh my God, girl. Let me tell you. And yeah, I was craving like chocolate and sweets and just, but everything like salty foods, and everything. And because like I would inject like once a week, I could tell like when my levels were starting to drop because I would, I would start to crave things and I would start to get a little moody. And it was funny because like the day that I would give myself the injection, I can't be at home because I'm like nonstop at the refrigerator. I'm like, oh, oh God. My. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did you gain weight? Um, I did gain weight in the beginning because like I was on, well, I started progesterone. And so, yeah, a little bit. And like now, thankfully, everything's kind of leveled off. But, but yeah, I did gain just a little bit. And it took a long time to like kind of burn it off because you know, that's one of the things too, like with the whole transition, it was funny. I remember um, talking to one of my friends and we were like running or something. I was like, oh my God, I feel like my ass is just dragging. And because you can feel like every like bounce and I'm all like, oh my gosh. And yeah, so it was just one of those things and it did, it became a lot harder to like burn fat off, you know? And yeah. so it's a totally- relate to that. Right? And so it's just, it's a totally different outlook. And, you know, like having, I guess, been on both sides of the spectrum to like whenever, you know, your testosterone levels are really high, it's easy to burn fat. Your metabolism is working great and all that stuff, right? But when it's not, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's like I'm eating the same or I'm eating less than or, you know, all these things and nothing was happening. It took me a good year and a half to like finally start to lose some of the weight. And I was like, oh, this is crazy. Did you find that you just had to eat less than what you had been accustomed to? Mentally, yes. But actuality, no. And and I say that because like last June, well, okay, so this is 2020, so 2019 June, um, I had started like a uh, online fitness competition, right? This one, competitor she put up her little contest or whatever and so like I sent in my you know my before pick based on that she like um sent me like a diet plan right and so I used to like I don't know probably eating like 27 2800 calories a day and she put me on like 1900 and I was like oh my gosh and because one of my goals was to lose fat right so I started eating and like the first day wasn't bad but then the second third fourth fifth and on I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just really hungry. And that was for like three weeks. And then we had to do our pictures again. And based on that, she would like, you know, keep it the same or make it less. And so then it went down to like 1,230 calories a day. I was like, wow. yes. So even though I did lose weight, it wasn't beneficial. It wasn't anything that would have been sustainable. Yeah. And so like now I'm back up like my current coach, she has me on like, we just cut my calories because I have a contest in December, but 
I was up to like almost 2,800, almost 3,000 calories a day and burning fat, you know? So I think- But are you lifting every day? Yeah, well, so I lift four times a week. And then like, it's one of the other things, whenever I first started lifting, um, I only wanted to lift really lightweight because I was like, oh, I don't want to, you know, bulk up and, you know, all this stuff. And it's one of those things that like, it took me a good year to understand that, okay, my levels aren't going to bulk anymore. And so I started playing with the weights. And, and so like now I can still go heavy and not have to worry about losing, you know, my figure or whatever. So, yeah. So let me understand that. So when you start taking hormones, you're suppressing testosterone production Yeah, and you're injecting estrogen basically. Right. Because your body doesn't, isn't producing the same level that a woman's body would. Correct. Right. Exactly. And so, so in the beginning I was on the estradiol tablet and I was on spirolactone, the spiro. And so the spiro is actually acts as a testosterone blocker, right? That kind of helped speed along the process of like my testosterone levels, you know, decreasing. Um, the only thing with that is there's a lot of negativity with it in the sense that like it can cause like brain fog and stuff like prolonged use. And I knew that and I was like, I'll try it. I said, but if I get to the point where I don't like it, then, you know, and if your estrogen levels are high enough, then they alone will suppress your testosterone. And so once I started my injections, I got off the, the spirolactone because I didn't need it anymore. Like my testosterone is probably lower than most females. You know, it's probably, I think the lowest it's been is six and the highest it's been is like, I don't know, I think it was like up to 20 and like that freaked me out. But like normal range for a female is 15 to 40. And so, you know, I'm well within range on that, but just mentally, it's just like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. And so... So will you have to take hormones forever? Forever and ever. Yeah. So it'll get to the point where I won't have to take as much as what I take right now. But yeah, it's a it's a lifelong thing. So will you ever be a postmenopausal woman? Oh God, I hope not. Been there, done that. Wanna be either. (laughs) Right? Yeah, no, I've been there, done that. Don't want to go back to it. But yeah, it is funny. You did. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure at one point, yeah, I mean, obviously, right. But yeah, so, and then, you know, to kind of go back to what you originally asked about the whole transition process. So shortly, like after starting the estrogen and things like that, then the breasts start to bud. And let me tell you, that was probably one of the most painful things. Like physically painful? Physically painful. The wind would blow the wrong direction. And I'm like, ow. It's just like, it's just one of those things. And if, I remember asking my doc because, I mean, I never like went through puberty with them, right? So I just expected like the breast to be soft and supple, right? And like to like feel them. And I'm like, oh, but they feel like a tumor. I was like, is everything okay? And she's <laughs> like, yeah, that's just like your glands are developing and, you know, your breasts are forming. And I'm like, okay. And oh, so- Did you nurse? You know what? It's so funny. No, but I could have like after my breast surgery and because everything was still so swollen that like part of the post-surgical aspect of the breast surgery or whatever, 
is that you have to give like yourself massages and stuff to kind of get everything to drop in, right? I remember doing that one day and I'm like, there's like colostrum. I'm like, oh my God. I was wow. like, I was like, okay, I've experienced pretty much everything. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah. I'm trying to understand. So you were growing breasts because of the hormones. Of the estrogen. Yeah, exactly. So did you need to get implants? I didn't need to, oh, but okay. so I personally wanted. felt that I wanted them just as, you know, something that I wanted as part of my transition. And so, yeah, not everyone has to get them. And, you know, some people, they don't even like medically transition and, you know, they're just as valid as the rest of us. And, and so there's no like real right or wrong way to transition. Everyone's journey is their own, but yeah, it's one of the things that I wanted to do. And yeah. And I love them. So have you done the full transition? I haven't yet. So there's a couple of things like I want to have, so there's, you can get it done like in one process or you can do it in two, right? And so like for me, just from a financial perspective, like I want to have what is called an orchiectomy and it's basically the removal of the testicles. And so basically I want to have that done hopefully next year. And then I actually want to have my full transition probably within like two years so insurance doesn't cover it no and no aspect of it at all not really no and so it's when i do the full transition there's a place in india where i will go to do it it's a whole different procedure there's a couple of doctors here that are doing it but i figure you know what they have everything down they've been doing it for years so yeah yeah are you scared? Does that scare you to do that? No. If I could do it tomorrow, I would be on a plane. So there's just no doubt, like there's no hesitation at all. Nope. None. So how do you feel now, like with your life and who you are now? You know, I'm happy. I'm like, I'm really like excited. You know, it's almost like a kid, like their outlook on life, right? And like, I'm really excited about all this to come because um, I've always liked, you know, certain aspects of beauty and fashion and, you know, being in the limelight and things like that. And like this past February, I had an opportunity to be at New York Fashion Week, walk in for a designer. And it was like a surreal experience. That's you so know? cool. What designer it was. was it? Right. It was uh, Melissa Atkinson. She has a trans clothing company. And so like we had at the Grand Ballroom on Broad Street on Friday night for like Society Fashion Week. And then on Sunday we had an MTV event. And so I got to walk two runways and I was like, never in my life would I've ever, you know what I mean? That is so and cool. Do you have pictures? I do. I have tons. Oh, you have to send me some. Yes, I will. But yeah, and then like, as far as like fitness competitions and stuff like that, you know, it's something else that I'm doing. And the, the federation that I'm working with is the WBFF and it's the World's Beauty, Fitness and Fashion um, Federation. And so it's more of like your Victoria's Secret pageant type thing, but with like, you know, different aspects of muscles. So they have like bikini, they have fitness, they have wellness and figure. And so it's, it's one of those things that, you know, I just, I'm like, wow, it's like at 48 years old, you know, it's like, who would have thought, right? And growing up like in a small town in Arkansas, who would have ever thought? 
right? Yeah, how did you um, end up in Florida? Oh my gosh, so for a job, like okay. I was, I did my undergrad in California and I was working out there and I just got married at that time. So it was back in 2000. And so the cost of living out there and trying to start off was just super expensive. So I applied to different jobs throughout the United States. And one of the ones was here in Florida. And I came out for the interview, got hired and been here ever since and uh, different jobs, but yeah. And so it's one of those things that, you know, I love South Florida. I love the fact that it feels like you're on vacation every day. You wake up to palm trees and, you know, yes, it's hot at times. You know, we don't only have two seasons, hot and hotter. But yeah, so yeah, that's how I got to Florida. So when you, going back to when you first started transitioning, when did you tell like your parents, if you have siblings? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So my parents, but found out, I want to say it was probably four or five months after I told my wife. And because we were trying to, you know, like I said, we were trying to work it out and things like that and make things happen. But then whenever it got to the point where it was like really rocky and volatile and divorce was brought up and all this stuff, you know, my ex was like, you need to tell your mom and, you know, things like that. And I was like, okay. And it's like a conversation that you're like, okay, well, all right. And so I told my mom and, you know, she was not happy and she was like, you need to think about your kids and, you know, what's going to do to them. And I was like, mom, I was like, for 45 years, I've thought about other people other than myself. I said, you know, I said, my kids, they're going to grow up and they're going to have their own family. So in the long run, I am thinking about them because I'm also showing them that, you know, no, no matter what life deals you, you know, deals to you, you have the option to run with it or, you know, lay there. So that's one of the reasons that, you know, like I try to be as successful as I can and, you know, and to prove to them that, hey, you know what, you can be and do, you know, whatever you want in life, but it's up to you. So yeah, it was a hard conversation with my mom and like, it's gotten a little bit easier, but like, she still calls me my old name and she still uses pronouns. And it's, I keep looking for that right moment to just say, hey, look, you know, I understand, but that's not who I am. And so it's one of the things that, yes, I I have to bring it up. And my siblings, like I have two stepsisters, a stepbrother and a half sister, right? And so I just drove up to like pick up my kids because I like every summer they go to my parents. And, uh, and so we usually meet like halfway and I'll drop them off and then we'll meet halfway and I'll pick them up. Right. And so I was picking them up and my older sister, well, I'm the oldest, but my oldest of my stepsisters, she was with, and she kind of had an idea of what was going on, but not the whole picture. And so I remember like being at breakfast and she was like, so what's new? And I was like... <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> and, uh, and she's like, okay, are you happy? And I was like, yes. I was like, I really am. And she's like, that's all I care about. That's so nice. And I, yeah. And I was like, awesome. And so I remember saying something and, and then I'm like, oh yeah. It's like, you don't know Courtney. And she's like, wait, so I had a brother and now I have a sister. And I was like, yeah. And, uh, and she was like, 
okay, well, you need to let your other siblings know. And she's like, I'll let my kids know. And they're pretty open and diverse. And, you know, and so I did. And I called my other sisters. I still haven't spoken to my stepbrother, but he's really hard to reach anyway. It's one of the things that everyone just embraced. And, and their whole thing was like, are you happy? That was it. That's know? so nice. Because there's really so many people that don't have that. Right. And, and I remember, you know, even coming out to like my friends, the time that my, my ex outed me in front of my kids, right? Whenever I was going to leave or whatever. And I ended up leave, living in my car for like that weekend. And I remember going to the CrossFit place that I used to work out at. And I remember talking to my friends and telling them, you know, what's going on. And I said, I still want to like work out here, but I also don't want to be like, you know, shoved in a corner and like kind of shunned or whatever. And they're like, Courtney, you know, we don't care who you are, male, female, whatever. You're a great person. And that's all that's important. And I was like, okay. And they're like, you know, they were like three of the most masculine people I know. And I was like, okay, this is not the, I guess not the expectations that you have going into, right? Yeah. But because like I was, I was like so scared, you know, whenever I figured out who I was and everything. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be homeless. I'm going to not have a job. I'm going to, you know, and, but no, it's like, like 95% of the people that know me, knew me before or, you know, even that the people I treat because I do physical therapy, they're all like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> you know. It's I'm so like, glad to hear that because that, that means that our society is moving along. Even though we see so many terrible examples of people who are hateful and negative in our news every day. I know, right? There are still a lot of people that are like the people that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that was the thing. And I'm like, Wow. I mean, yeah, I've come across a few people, you know, that's mm -hmm. just, yeah. that's just who they are and they're not going to change. Even my stepdad, right? My stepdad, oh my gosh. Um, whenever I was getting ready to go with my divorce, he was like, you know, I just, I just want you to know that, you know, in the Bible, this is an abomination to God. And I really want to see you up in heaven. And, you know, I really think you should think more about this. And I and I started to speak my mind, but I'm like, you know what? He's one of those people that he has his mind made up and he has his belief system and that's fine. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to say, well, you know that we're all just like energy and souls and there are no faces really up in heaven and, you know, all this stuff. But I just thought <laughs> like, okay, you know, you say your piece and, and that's good. Yeah. And, you know, at least you feel, you're going to feel better about yourself right? So yeah, I mean, there's still a few people. And, you know, the biggest thing for me, because I do work out and I do have like, you know, some muscles and stuff like that. And, you know, some like my facial features aren't as good as some of the other trans girls and stuff like that. So being misgendered, that's a huge thing. And like, today was one of those days, I didn't get misgendered, but I personally, like, um, woke up and I just had like the biggest case of like gender dysphoria. I like looked in the mirror and I'm like, no, it's like, why? You know, it's like, what? Are... And, you know, it's just that struggle. Like you see, I don't know how to explain it. It's just like, I still see like a lot of masculine characteristics and I'm like, and then I'm like, started playing with my hair and stuff. I'm like, 
yeah, it's like, what is it? And it's like, today is just one of those days. And, you know, it's like good days and bad days. And I remember talking to my roommate and we were like, you know, I think some of the days it's just like all about the energy that you feel, you know? And, yeah. and I, and so I started shifting throughout the day and I'm like, okay, well, it's not as bad, but you know, it's still like those moments. And I, I feel like that's going to be something that's just, you know, ongoing forever, but like being misgendered by some people and most of the time it's guys, um, there's been a couple of girls, but most of the time it's guys. And I remember like walking out of like a 7-Eleven or something, right? And just kind of like holding the door because the person was coming in. So, and this one guy uh, was like, thank you, sir. And I mean, here I am and like, almost like what I have on right now, right? Yeah. And I'm like, no, he really didn't just say that, right? And so I was just like, you know, people are going to see what they want to see. And yeah, that's just the thing. Well, I, I know some men that don't have the most manly voices and people will constantly call them ma'am <laughs> on right. the phone or something like that. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, sometimes yeah. it's just stupidity and uh, yeah, he can't explain it. No. No. Um, I actually know some women too that are older and they mm -hmm. end up having a very deep voice, especially if they smoked. Right. And yeah. Sound like men on the phone. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I I mean, and, and that's the thing. Right. And, you know, like, and that was one of the things like whenever I was working out and I was like, no, I really like working out. And then like, I was like, but I don't want to work out. I don't want to get muscles and I don't want this. And, and then like, I started looking at like all these different athletes. Right. I'm like, well, she's still really feminine and she has probably more muscles than I do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's like little things. I was like, okay, well, you know what? It's like, we have all these like stereotypes of what the typical female should look like, the typical male should yeah. look like, and they're all just social constructs. They are. You know? And so it's one of those things that's like, for instance, I used to go to Crunch Fitness and they closed and they shifted us to LA Fitness, right? And so... I remember, and for me, the biggest struggle was like, if I had to go to the bathroom or, you know, to the locker room, I was like, oh my God, you know, it was like a mental stress in the beginning. And I remember coming out of the women's uh, locker room and there was an older Asian woman and she was like, um, excuse me, you know, this is for females. And I was like, I know. And like, I just kept walking and like part of me wanted to go back and like confront her. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, just like you know, I just just let it go, right? And so I remember it like really messed with my head that day, right? And so I ended up like posting about it in one of my Instagrams, and like one of one of my friends that we follow each other, and she was like, you know, Courtney, she's like, she has like a lot of tattoos, and she was like, you know, I get that, you know, different stares and stuff like that and comments and kind of like step backs and, and things like that from different people. And in the beginning, it used to bother me, but then I just kind of tell myself, well, they just don't understand my beauty. And so when she said that, and like now if something like that happens, I just kind of play it through my head or if I'm walking through the gym and like some guys are staring or whatever, and you know, I'll just like look and smile and just like keep going. And, and it's just the same thing. It's like, okay, well, they just don't understand, you know, they don't understand my beauty. They don't understand this or whatever. And, uh, and so now that part doesn't bother me as much. So.
Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I applaud you for that. I mean, I know people that won't even, you know, wear something because, you know, they're worried about how it will be received. Right? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, too, because we're supposed to dress a certain way. Yeah. Says who? You know? Yeah. I mean, really. But I will say that, like, a lot of mental things in the beginning and still to this day, I remember, like, going, coming back from a festival in Fort Lauderdale, right? And so I get on the bus to go back to where the, my car was parked and I'm walking through a parking garage at night. In my past, I wouldn't have cared. I would just walk to my car, got my car, but oh my gosh, I'm like, keys are in hand, like ready to like, you know, I don't know. I was just like, but it's, it's crazy. Like all the different things that you go through and, you know, for a cisgender female, I mean, you guys have dealt with it all, all your whole life. Yeah. And like, to, like to deal with that it's like oh my gosh just walk into my car there's this sense of like am I going to be attacked type thing you know what I yeah, mean you feel vulnerable exactly exactly I wanted to talk to you about that because that that's something that's interesting because you've experienced life as a man and being in our society mm -hmm. as a man but also as a woman mm -hmm. can was it there a striking difference between how you felt like people generally treated you as a man? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll give you a prime example. And this was even like after I had already started transitioning, we were at like a department store and I think we were looking for like a dishwasher or a dryer or something like that. Right. And so the account was in my ex's name and the salesperson kept asking me questions about her account. And I was like, I don't know, it's her account, ask her. And, but I was just like, oh my gosh. I was like, you know, you begin to see like the whole male privilege and the yeah. whole like, you know, discount the, the thought of the female. Yes. And then it's like, oh my gosh. And even today, like in some of my workplaces, like they'll ask like guys questions that like, I'm like, yeah, I know this, you know, uh, I can contribute just as well as the other person, you know? And, but yeah, so a lot of it is, and like, even some people they are like, you don't like mind giving up your male privilege. I was like, it's not a privilege. I was like, it's actually like just something that should never, ever happen. Was you know? that shocking to you? Like, were you? It was. Was it, it kind of like you were seeing it with new eyes? Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because like, you know, like, so like whenever I was a guy, you just kind of went through and you just felt like, okay, yeah, you know what, I'm the voice and, you know, this is the way it is and different things, right? But then, like, being on the other end of the spectrum and it's like, oh my gosh, that's crazy, that's horrible, you know? It's like, who said, at what point did this happen, you know? Yeah, so it's just It's crazy. frustrating, isn't it? Very frustrating, very frustrating. And, like, even, you know, with just different things, pay grades and everything else, just there's so much discrimination. And it's really sad, you know, it really yeah. is. Well, welcome to our world. <laughs> I know, right? You know, that's why a lot of people are like, well, welcome to being a woman. I'm like, yeah, I know. But, yeah. yeah. So. so I did want to ask you about the bodybuilding. You uh -huh. kind of talked about it a little bit already. Did you, when you were transitioning and taking the estrogen, did you mm -hmm. lose a lot of your muscle? I did. I lost a good bit, but because I purposely tried, like I didn't work out for like a whole year just because I was like, okay, the first thing I want to get gone is that, right? 
And because like, again, in my mind, I had this whole like little Barbie image that like, that's who I needed to be, right? To be accepted and everything else. And now I'm just like, yeah, maybe CrossFit Barbie or something, but yeah, you know, it's like, because like, I knew that like, just given my bone structure and, and different things, you know, I'm never going to be that super femme girl, even though I'm very girly girl. I just, I, I can't. You know, yeah. it's my bone structure doesn't allow it, and you know, just neither does mine. <laughs> but, but yeah, so it's just it's one of those things that um, it did. It was a mental struggle for um, a little while to understand that, you know, just go and do you, like just be who you are, and you know, it's like you don't have to fit in a box. You finally broke out of the box. Yeah. Right? And like, and then like, there was another post that I posted and I'm like, you know, here I am like fighting to like get outside the box and like, here I am finding myself in the box again. Yeah. You're just in a different box. Right. No. Yeah, exactly. But like, on like society's view of like how I need to be. Right. And yeah. I'm like, no, it's like screw society. You know, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Do you there see is the problem. pressures that women have, you know, to be thin and be pretty and. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All this. I mean, yeah. I mean, exactly. I mean, there's tons, right. Especially on like the whole being thin thing. Right. It's just like, wow. You know, it's an eye opener because I remember talking to my therapist and, you know, just telling her that, like, you know, I just want to like starve myself at times because I want to get to this certain weight that I feel like that I need to be at. And, you know, it's, no, it's, it's, you just have to be who you are and just love your body. And the moment that you, you know, you start loving your body and appreciating it for what it is, that's the moment where things start to change. Yeah. And yeah, so it's, it's one of those things that yes. And, you know, like being picked over, for instance, at, at fashion week, right. And there was like a designer at the MTV event and one of her girls didn't show and she needed someone to stand in and like wear some of her stuff, right? And I'm like, hey, you know, if you need an extra girl, I'll, I'll be happy to walk for you or whatever. And she gave me the whole like oh once God. over thing. And in my mind, I'm like, no, you're not. I was like, you are not doing that right now. I was like, I'm trying to help you, okay? And I can wear your stuff a lot better than your other models. So I was like, don't even. And, but I was just like, wow, that's like crazy, you know? And so, yeah, it's like the whole, like, am I thin enough to wear, you know what I mean? And, and that's the other thing. It's like different designers and different sizes, even though it says it's this size, it's not really the size and, you know, yeah. it's like fits. And so, yeah, yeah, there's so much pressure. It's a lot more pressure than just being a guy and like throwing on a t-shirt and going to an event. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think men have their own pressures too. You know, they're supposed to be big and manly and tall and all that good stuff. And yeah. And then, but then women have the opposite, you know, they just have their own stuff that they're supposed exactly. to be. Yeah. Um, but one of those things too, is not, not too um, opinionated, not too mm -hmm. assertive. Oh, right. Because then you're a bitch or, you know, it's like, yeah. oh my gosh, like. Yeah, and it's it's funny. I forget. Um, I was watching, I don't know, a show or listening to a song or something, and it was talking about that. It's like you know, like if I speak up, I'm a bitch, but if a guy speaks up, he's just being assertive. 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think you might have seen that on my Facebook page. I'm, I'm not sure. If Facebook, yeah, there was something that something like, what is the difference between aggressive and assertive? And the answer was gender. <laughs> yeah, right. It's yeah. true, though. It's true. It is. Yeah. So tell me about your dating life. Do you do the any of like match.com or any of those? Yes, um, I did Match, I did Bumble, I've done Hinge, and let me tell you, it's nothing like I thought it would be. You know, like whenever I began my transition and all that stuff, I was like, okay, well, you know what, I'm going to date whoever, and, you know, things are just going to, they're going to work out because that's just how life is, right? No, no, and, you know, it's like, on match, you're only allowed to like seek men or seek women, right? And so I'll go back and forth. So on like, whenever the men start to reply, it starts off all nice and, and very like normal. And then like three conversations in, it's like pure sexual. And I'm like, wait, I was like, would you talk to a normal girl like this? Like, really? You know, and the same thing on like the other sites. And so that's like a huge struggle because like, I don't feel like people get to like know me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I said, I've only gone out with like a couple of guys um, that actually like showed up and, uh, and things like that. But yeah, just in general, the conversation is just so weird. And then there's times that like I'm replying and I'm like, okay, is this coming across like too aggressive or is this coming across like, you know, too masculine sense or, you know, things like that. But yeah, it's just, that's a struggle. Like my daily life is like non-existent, but, but that's just, <laughs> that's do you just. Feel like, do you feel like any kind of obligation to disclose that you're trans? So, Okay. I don't feel like there's an obligation to, but like in my profiles, I always put it out there and I do it to save time because like it is a mental stress to like start chatting with someone and okay, this is, this is the difference, right? Male and female, right? Yeah. A woman will sit there and she will read the whole profile and like kind of like figure out, okay, is this person like worth pursuing or like, you know, interesting or something? Guy just looks at a pretty picture and like starts chatting, right? And so there's been like a couple of that were like really hot guys. And I'm like, okay, you read my bio, right? And then they'll like come back a couple of minutes later and like, oh, sorry, no, nothing against it, but just not my cup of tea. I'm like, mm hmm, okay, yeah. And yeah. so it's, it just, yeah, it saves me time. But because I mean, eventually they're going to find out anyway. So. You know? Yeah. Well, what about the people that are, have some sort of trans fetish? Okay. okay so, yeah, like yeah, there are, there are. And it's crazy because like, I know there's a lot of them on Instagram because like you get like one person that just suddenly like, like 75 of your pictures. Right. And yeah. I'm like, okay, you're a chaser. And yeah, see, like, I don't know, like I'm looking for like a pure person. Right. And I know like my standards are probably like unrealistic. But, you know, like, I want to be every wooed. woman's standards I, are unrealistic. No, no, but I mean, like, I want to be wooed and romance and, you know, courted and, you know, things like that. I'm really old fashioned when it comes to that sense, right? Yeah, no, I mean, there are, there's some that that's all they seek after. And I'm like, but then it's just pure sexual. And it's like, yeah, no, I want a lasting and a meaningful relationship, you know? 
Yeah, I don't think that's just a trans experience because I, I, I have a boyfriend, but I, my single girlfriends are always talking about the exact same thing, what, mm -hmm. they, what their experience is on dating websites. Yeah, it's, it's mentally draining and time yeah. consuming. It's in like a job. Oh my God, yes. And in the beginning, oh my gosh, I was like on there like constantly, right? And like now I'm like, okay, well, I'll check if, you know, if there's a notification that comes up or something, but, but yeah, it's like, now I just, I go about my life. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to end up meeting someone in real life, not probably on an app, to be honest. Yeah. And, I think that of most people. Right. And, and it's funny because like, you know, going back to the whole vulnerability thing, you know, that was another issue. Like, you know, hats off to you guys, like hats off to women in general. Like to meet a guy in public on a blind date is like <laughs> so freaking scary, right? And I'm just like, oh my gosh. And, you know, and everyone's like, well, you're going to meet in a public place. I was like, yeah, but I still got to get in my car, you know? It's like yeah. all these different things. And yeah, I just feel like if I meet like a guy, it's going to be like through a friend or, you know, like maybe out while I'm out with friends or something like that as opposed to like on a dating app. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I tell my single girlfriends. I mean, you know, if you want to do match or whatever, like at Tinder or whatever those ones are now, right. um, you know, do them, but I don't know that they're the best way to find good quality people. Right. Exactly. I know it happens, but it's like finding a unicorn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There was something crazy. else I wanted to ask you about the bodybuilding too. Do you ever get anybody who suggests that you're at some sort of advantage? <laughs> Did you read my Facebook? No, I didn't. It wasn't on there. Okay. No, but it happened. So there's a competitor and I don't know if she competes in the same federations I do. And I can't remember her name and not that I would like throw it out there, but, but anyway, she did. She sent me like a DM and she was like, Hey, you know, like we're friends on Facebook. And she's like, I don't mean anything rude by, you know, the question I'm going to ask you, but do you feel like you have an unfair advantage? And so I was like, okay, like, stop, breathe. And, uh, and then I reached out to my coach. I was like, you know, what? let's, let's be PC on this. I said, how should, you know, I respond to this? And, you know, she was like, well, you know, in some sense, you do have an unfair advantage with like your bone structure but this isn't a lifting competition that you're in this is a beauty pageant right basically and so you've taken all the necessary you know standards to bring your levels down to where you're not you know on an advantage and she's like and there's plenty of girls that you know take testosterone to have you know bigger muscles and so yeah. you're you're at a disadvantage on a lot of things and you know it's like i feel like i've had to work twice as hard you know, I wasn't born with a, with a big booty and, you know, and hips and, you know, the ability to pose and walk, you know, heels and stuff like that. And so, you know, all that stuff, it's, I feel like I have to really like just everyday practice just so that I have the confidence and it shows through whenever I do get on stage. So yes and no. Yes, just mean because of my, you know, my previous bone structure. But no, because like my levels are probably lower than 90% of the girls in the same competition. So your ability to build muscle is mm -hmm. like any other woman. Just like any other woman. 
Yeah, in the sense that like, you know, it's not going to happen overnight and, you know, things like that. I still have like some of my strength, but my upper body strength has gone down a lot. And I remember one of my friends from CrossFit, one of the ones that I came out to in the beginning, they were like, Courtney, don't lose your legs and, you know, don't lose your leg strength. And I was like, are you kidding me? It's like, I want to be able to wear skinny jeans and, you know, things like that. (laughs) Well, I think actually women usually have more leg strength than men. Yeah, exactly. Women are stronger. Well, not more leg strength than men, but they're stronger lower body than their upper body. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, I find I've lost probably 25 to 30% of my upper body strength and probably the same goes for like lower body because, you know, I look at some of the, the competitors that, you know, I compete against and some of their his, hip thrust weights or their squatting or their deadlifts even, I'm like, shit, I can't even deadlift that. It's like, you know, it's like, wow. So I don't think I have an unfair advantage. Does that bother you that you lost some of the strength or are you like happy about it? <laughs> I'm actually happy about it. I'm thankful that it was like maybe only 30% and, you know, not anymore. But even like after my competition, I've thought about like even like trying to go a little bit less just because I do want to kind of lose just a little bit of my muscle tone, not like all of it, but just a little bit because like I feel like there's a lot of times that I have just a really hard look about myself. And so just to kind of soften that a little bit. Yeah. Well, it is a desirable look now. It's more popular for women to look muscular and sculpted. Right. Yeah. And it's funny because like a lot of people, they're like, oh my God, your legs. Oh my God. You know, I wish I had your shoulders. And I'm like, here, take them, (laughs) you know, but, but no. And, and yes, you are correct on that. So, yeah. Yeah, so you kind of lucked out with your timing. <laughs> I, did. I did, I did. So what What are your hopes and dreams for the future? So, I mean, honestly, like, I want to keep competing um, in the WBFF. Like, I do fitness in the Diva Fitness Division, 35 and over. So I hope to compete in that at least for another three years, maybe four. And I really want to pursue modeling more, whether it's runway or magazine or just something. I love that. I love being, I'm 5'10". So, you know, I have the height, I have the height, but like, I remember like reaching out to like one of the modeling agencies and they're like, okay, well, you know, the top, like 1% of the elite, they're like between 15 and 18 and their hips aren't bigger than 36 and their waist is like, you know, a beanpole and you know just different things <laughs> I was like so what you're telling me is I should just throw it like away and they're like no no, no. It's like there's other you know aspects but the the high end like the Chanel and you know the Chloe and like all that stuff I mean that's what they're going after and I was like yeah get it but there's always that one right and but yeah well I mean the little bit that I know about modeling there are different kinds of models like you're talking about the runway models. I'm they're notoriously thin. Yeah. Huh? They're notoriously real thin. Yeah, exactly. But then there's other models, like editorial models that are not, I think they're still pretty thin. I think that's the standard, but I do think that the trends are changing. Oh yeah. Slowly. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And, uh, and that was one of the things that, you know, they brought up too. It's like, well, there's other avenues. And, but me, like I said, like, I really love being like in the limelight and like the whole like New York Fashion Week that just like awakened like this person inside. And I just remember like, even like the day of, right? Because I'd never stepped on a runway prior. And so I remember like, we got there, we checked in, we go downstairs and like all the hairdressers and makeup artists are down there and everything. And they're like, okay, you know, you're gonna go over there and then go over there, blah, blah. And so you're just staying there and they're just beautifying you and all this stuff. And so I remember going up to the designer and I'm like, hey, Melissa, I was like, you know, I feel really great. I love your outfit and all this stuff. I said, but how do you want me to walk? And she was like, oh, go talk to Jara and you know, she'll tell you and show you. I was like, okay. And so she did. And uh, I was like, okay. And I'm like, you know, just don't fall. Don't be the girl that fell at Fashion Week, right? And, uh, and I remember like, I was third up in our, in our line to go out. We were closing that show. And I remember looking at the DJ because like, they're the ones that tell you like when to go, right? And I'm looking at the DJ and it seemed like it had been a really long time. And I'm like waiting and waiting. He's like, finally go. And it's like, I come out and I turn. And like, you just, you see the people for like a split second and then they just fade away. Really? And like, and like, I walk down my runway and you get to the end and like, they like actually come back and like, you see the cameras and like, you do your little poses and stuff. And the way it was set up, it was like a U. And so then I remember walking to the other side, doing the exact same thing, turning and walking off and like getting backstage. I was like, oh my God. I was like, I just walked New York Fashion Week. This That's was so like cool. Super it was and so like like i said like i love that and you know to be in front of people and it's like i remember like as a teenager i played in like a rock band and played guitar and you know i was like this little shy person but like put me on stage and you know let me strike a chord and i was like a completely different person and same thing the audience just fades away you do your thing you get done and you go and mingle and all that stuff right and so, yeah, it's like I said, like I've always loved that. And so I want to do that as long as I can. I don't know how long, but you you're know, in your yeah. zone. Exactly. Well, I, I say do it. I mean, don't anybody who tells you you can't just isn't your person. Right. Exactly. exactly. Because there's, there's always someone who's been the first to do it. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. I can't, is it Ashley Graham? She's the really popular plus size model. Right. Yeah. I mean, she's gorgeous. She was on the cover of Vogue. I mean, mm -hmm. that would have just been like unheard of 20 years ago. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like you said, like times are changing and the whole like body composition and acceptability is changing and all in a positive manner. You know, the, the girl that's on the swimsuit edition of Sports Illustrated, she's trans. Yes. You know? And then there was another trans model that just signed, I think, for Calvin Klein, I think. I'm not for sure. I have to double check it. But but yeah, and I'm just like, this is awesome. This is just such great representation, you know? And it's like, yeah, so I, I agree. I think times are changing. And yeah, so hopefully that will continue. Yeah, I think it will. We're moving in the right direction. It might be slow, but yeah, moving in the right direction. Slow so, progress is still progress. Yeah. So I hope that you get to do continue on with the reassignment surgery. Is mm -hmm. that what it's called? Yep. Mm -hmm. Hope you get to do that as soon as possible and thank you. Finish that. And yep. 
I just wish you nothing but the best moving forward. I hope that things you continue to have good luck and find love and become a famous runway model and be on the cover of Vogue. <laughs> that would be great. Thank you. From your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> You're welcome. I will expect to get a signed copy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Oh my gosh. So if it can I help you plug anything? Is there anything that, you know, do you have a website you'd like to direct the listeners to or your Instagram um, page? Just mainly, I guess, my Instagram page. I don't really have a website, but I can send you like my Instagram stuff. It's just at Courtney underscore she underscore is underscore strong. So yeah, that's really that's the one that I follow the most. And I have my Facebook and I have Twitter, but it's funny, my Twitter, I don't even know my my handle. It's just like one of the things. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm not on Twitter much either, but I'll put links to those in the show notes. Okay, cool. Um, But thank you so much for sharing your story. There really wasn't anything that you were unwilling to talk about, and I appreciate that. Yeah, like I said, I'm an open book, so yeah. Yeah, It's great. I love your energy, though. I really do. Awesome. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure talking to you, so I hope we can stay in touch. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right. Well, thank you again. It was such a pleasure. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Christina. Yep. Have a good night. All right, you too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Wake Up Call, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to know more about me, you can find out more on my website, christinaprevitt.com. And be sure to sign up for my newsletter where I talk about everything that I'm reading, learning, listening to, doing, basically everything that I'm obsessed with right now. Follow me on social media. Look up Wake Up Call the Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you'd like to be a guest on Wake Up Call or there's someone you'd like to hear on my podcast, please email me at wakeupcallthepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you and see you next time.